Oh, hello. Didn't see you there. <laughs> Remember when TV shows used to start that way? Stupid. Or when romper room, now this will only apply to uh, people my age or younger. But the lady put up the magic mirror. She said, uh, hello, Hunter. Hello, Danita. I see Earl Rothery. I see uh, Andre Dembski. I see all of my friends in Alberta. It's nice to see you. And I see Dan and Vivian. I see Marlon and Mona. I see Catherine and Harley. I see Anne and Elizabeth and Jane. I see Bert and Nicole, and I see you too. I hope to see you tomorrow, right here in Rock Room. Those were the days, right? Never said Jonathan for some reason. This is my backyard, and we are in week two of Love Lockdown. Marriage in the time of Corona. And today is about priority. And you know, my big goal and prayer is that God would um, help those of you that are not married today, but hope to be, and those who are married, but are maybe struggling, and those who uh, are not struggling and want to stay that way, and those who never want to marry or remarry, but, but you want to be a support and a blessing and a source of wisdom to those who are. I was looking through uh, some old photo albums and stuff recently, remembering when Vicky and I sort of first started dating and having eyes for each other. Actually, I was living alone without extended family in Alberta. And at the time, it's not exactly pre-internet, but pretty close, I'm, uh, I'm quite a letter writer. And my parents ended up saving all these, these letters. I'd always start them off like real smart-alecky. Greetings and salutations from Alberta, the land of no PST, but a lot of PMS. Greetings and salutations from the land so conservative Rush Limbaugh seems like a left-wing, pot-smoking, head-banging, veggie-eating, picket-waving, world-saving, dolphin-loving, commie-recruiting sissy boy. You can imagine how a earring-wearing, guitar-playing, childcare worker goes over. Greetings and salutations from the land where pierogies are a separate food group. Greetings and salutations from the land with ten months of winter and two months of road construction. Greetings and salutations from the land with the lowest taxable income, but it's all blown on block heaters and extension cords. Greeting and salutations from the land of irony, rednecks and figure skaters. Now listen to this sort of weird record of my romantic life. Single on Valentine's Day, Everyone was with their significant other saying, Yes, sweetie. Hi, dear. No, you first, honey. Love you, pumpkin. I couldn't escape these annoying people. Next letter. I really believe God has someone for me, and I have no sense of impatience about it either. My timing sucks, but his is perfect. Vicki Miller. A friend from Texas has moved in with John and Tisha. She has become a good friend to me. Next letter. Things with Vicky are going quite well. In fact, I was a little worried we were becoming one of those exclusive couples that I hate so much. You know, 
the kind that spend all their time together. And when they're separated, people ask, hey, where's such and such? I could think of worse problems, though. I find myself getting more attracted to Vicky. She seems more beautiful and funny and caring and wonderful every day. We really have connected. Others say, what a match we are. Next letter. I think there's something I should let you know. Don't be alarmed. But I'm not sure I've really emphasized in previous letters or conversations how serious I am about Vicky. She has become very important to me in a relatively short period of time. I love her. Quit rolling your eyes. I'm aware as anyone of my batting average in relationships. So I have no illusions here. The big M is far away. I just thought you should know how I feel. Next letter. Once again, I should stress how serious Vicky and I are. Our feeling is that marriage is a foregone conclusion and the only matter now is the timing. I love her so much without sounding too fairy tale Hollywood, we both feel there is a sense of destiny or being really matched. I really wish you could meet her. And the rest, as they say, is history. I remember we were so in love and goo goo. And then the band I was in got a month long tour in the States, opening up for a, a really well-established band. And uh, what a great opportunity. And I was miserable, miserable because I was away from Vicky. And she wrote these little notes, one to open every day. Isn't that, isn't that adorable? Here's the point I'm trying to, to make. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. Have you noticed that? By nature, we tend to pursue what we don't have. And I, I bet there's all kinds of um, pursuit stories out there from those who are watching. I don't know what it is. Maybe you, you drove all night through the snow, risking your life for just 20 minutes with, with your love bunches, you know, years and years ago. Maybe you spent your whole savings account on some ridiculous concert because that was their favorite band. Or you held a ghetto blaster under their bedroom window, say anything style. Or uh, you did that king of the world thing with her at the end of a boat. You know, maybe you used to sit on the phone back when there were these things called landlines. Remember those? And you would just um, breathe, you know, not heavy breathing. Don't make it, don't make it weird. You just breathe like, no, I'm not going to say goodbye. You say goodbye. No, I'm not going to say goodbye. Whatever it is. And then, you know, we've got all these stories. Uh, we tend to pursue whatever we don't have. And what happens years later when you wake up and you don't feel love? What happens one day when suddenly you think, um, where did all the intimacy go? Where did all the adventure go? Where did all the romance go? Well, very simply, if you just look at the roots somewhere along the way, 
we got the priorities out of line, and we stopped pursuing one another. Think about, think about this. Is there any other area in your life that you can be lazy and see improvement? I'll wait. Can you be lazy in your body and get in better shape? No, you can't. <laughs> can you be lazy in your business, you know, not lead it well, not manage the finances and see it grow? No, you can't. Can you be lazy in your yard, not water it, not fertilize it and see the yard get better? No, the weeds will grow. You may remember last week, speaking of, of yard, uh, Vicky alluded to this last week. If, if the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own lawn. <laughs> Let me say that again. If the grass ever looks greener somewhere else, uh, it's time to water your own yard. And, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. If, you, if you've tracked with us last week, you'll remember my charge, my challenge may have seemed a little counterintuitive. It certainly isn't in any love songs that I've ever heard of, but it was actually to make your spouse your number two and make God your number one. God is our first. Our spouse is our second. We put God first in all that we do. And today uh, I want to challenge you and actually, especially me, to always be in pursuit of your spouse. If it helps to remember it, um, you might say, I promise to always pursue my two. Pursue my two. Last week we looked at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and I want to look at it again, where scripture says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is what? Is united to his wife and they become one flesh. A man leaves his father, his mother, his relationship reprioritizes now. Uh, his spouse is his number two. He's still prioritizing. She's still prioritizing God as their number one. And the, the root word in the Hebrew language that's translated as united is the word the Bach. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, the Bach. And, and this word means to cling or adhere. It means to uh, catch by pursuit. It can mean to uh, pursue hard with devotion, the Bach. They were united as one flesh, the Bach. In fact, let me just show you three different ways this Hebrew word, the Bach, is translated because the Hebrew language is kind of tricky. It's kind of amazing, actually. It's not like um, the English, you know, a word in Hebrew is, is more like a picture, kind of tells a mini story. There's, there's texture and action. For instance, today's Living Bible in Psalm 63 verse 8 translate the Bach this way. I follow close behind you. I follow close behind you. That's also the stalker's favorite verse as well, but that's for another message. Every breath you take, I'll be watching you. And then Job 41 verse 17 in the NIV translates the Bach this way. They joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. 
Um, Judges 20 verse 45 in the King James Version translate the Bach this way. They pursued hard after them. They pursued. They were united. They were the Bach. They pursued after one another and therefore they became one flesh. In fact, there's a great um, story in the Bible, a story many of you know, a beautiful story of relational pursuit. If you go back to the Old Testament, there's the story of, of Jacob and his love for Rachel. Now, the Bible's kind of funny. If, if you read it, this is what it, it literally says. It says there were two sisters. There was Leah, who was the older sister, and Rachel was the younger sister. And, and the Bible says very literally that Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And Leah had weak eyes. <laughs> That's what it says. In the Hebrew, I think that means she had a nice personality. Yeah, but what'd she look like? Like I say, nice personality. I mean, how cruel is that? Rachel's lovely in form and figure. And then there's lazy-eyed Leah. Okay, that's what it says. I just deliver the mail. I, I don't write it. And it says that Jacob loved the younger sister. And he, and he said to the father in this very patriarchal society, I would like to marry her. I'll do whatever it takes to marry her. And the, the father Laban says, fair enough work seven years for me. And the imagery is actually kind of beautiful. Jacob worked seven years and scripture says that time passed quickly because he was so in love with her. Time just flew by. It's like, I'm doing this because I love her. Well, most of you know the story, but the father pulled a bit of a, a switcheroo. And instead of the younger hot sister, he gave her the older you know, needs LASIK surgery, sister, which is why you should always lift the veil before you sign any marriage documentation. And Jacob went, whoa, 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 I wanted Rachel. And the father is this snake oil salesman. He says, well, in our culture, it's proper to give the older daughter first. And Jacob's, yeah, but I am in love with Rachel. And then uh, a lot of people think Jacob had to work another seven years before he got married to Rachel. Actually, what happened is this, is the father went ahead and gave Rachel to him and, and said, you still owe me another seven years. Now here's the imagery that I, that I love in this weird patriarchal story, that Jacob worked for Rachel after he already had her. I love that, you know, for seven more years, he gladly worked for her, even though he already had her. If you'll, you know, pardon that possessive kind of language, he worked for her after he already, you know, put a ring on it. And in so many ways, I, I kind of feel like that's the heart of what God wants us to do in our marriage. God wants us to continue to work for our spouse after we already have them. That is, that is the charge I have for you today, that you would always pursue your number two. You know, what happens is when you're not married, you maybe start dating and you 
pursue each other. You, you do everything. You buy them little stuffed walruses and dedicate your favorite song to them and you make them a mixtape. Millennials, you can just go ahead and Google what a mixtape is. Man, I could, I could make a mean mixtape. I don't know if I was on like Neil Garby level or not, but it, it was good. What happens typically though is that we don't continue to pursue in our marriages to our detriment. Now, if I can talk to those of you that are not yet married, if I could just give you a little bit of advice. If you're dating someone right now and there is not mutual pursuit, I would just ask that you maybe reevaluate that relationship because we tend to work for what we don't have. If, if he's not doing anything that looks like a date, if he's never dressing up, maybe dropping a little coinage on you, if he's never buying you something special, ladies, you are worth pursuing. You are worth pursuing. And if, if you're not writing a little love note every now and then and telling him he's kind of cute, you know, and pretending to be excited to go to yet another Marvel movie, oh man, Vicky pretended to like some stuff when we were dating. God bless her. I actually thought she really liked Stanley Kubrick movies. You know, if you're not doing something to show interest in him, then you really want to pay attention to that because typically uh, when you get married, the pursuit usually doesn't go up. In most cases, it goes down. So if you're not seeing it while you're dating, I would really encourage you to, to reevaluate. You are worth pursuing. So, so let's talk turkey. Let's talk real about how to maybe live this out and try and be real practical about it. You know, no one, I don't think, gets married with this idea of like, yeah, I want to have a bad marriage. I want to lose intimacy. I want to give this a go and then seven years later, you know, split up all our possessions and have the kids on weekends. You know, no one consciously does that. We have good intentions. We, we love each other. But life kind of wears us down and we get tired and we get worn out and we get overwhelmed and we want to show the love that we feel, but we just don't. So let's talk about three simple principles about sort of closing that gap between our intentions and our actions. And believe me, look, I am, I'm preaching mostly to me this morning, but these are three scripturally based principles that will help us pursue our two. And the first thing is this, and it's so simple, I almost hesitate to even bring it up. And, you know, I mentioned this just in January in our habit series, but it's totally worth mentioning again. And here it is. When you think something good, say it. <laughs> Every time you think something good of your spouse, say it. Why, why would we ever rob each other of a, of a blessing? You know, the writer to the Hebrews said this in uh, chapter three, verse 13. Uh, what are we to do? We are to encourage one another daily, as long as it's called a day so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, if you want to keep the deceitfulness of sin out of your marriage, one of the ways you can do it 
is you can encourage one another daily. Every time you think something good, say it. Tell them there's no one more perfect for you than them. Tell them you thank God every single day that they came into your life. You know, don't starve each other of verbal affection. So every time you think something good, say it, say it. I mean, if you just did that alone, if you just turned off the computer or the TV right now and just committed to do that, it could be a, a marriage game changer for you. A couple pieces of advice. Uh, let me just first talk to the men and then if you'll allow, let me talk to the ladies. Gentlemen, when you pursue her with words, pursue her with words of affection. And I wanna encourage you, pursue her with non-sexual affection. And some of you right now are saying, what's that? Let me explain it to you so, so you know what it is. I'll say it really slowly. It's non-sexual affection. Some of you are still confused. It's affection that's non-sexual because guys have a tendency to be able to make anything sexual. It's like a gift. That's what she said is, was made by a guy. How about just affection for affection's sake? No sexual goal in mind. Here's something powerful and simple. Try this, when you say I love you, add the word because and change the ending every time. I love you because you are my best friend. I love you because for all these years you, you've been faithful. I love you because you're one of the most amazing moms I've ever known. I love you because you put God first and you pursue him above anything else. I love you because even though we're in a difficult time right now, we're, we're standing together. You know, pursue her with words of affection. She needs it and it, it, it brings tremendous value when you think something good, say it, set it free, bless her. Ladies, I would say this to you, pursue him with words of affirmation because he is becoming who you see him as. Affirmation. You know, one of the most meaningful moments of the week for me is actually Sunday afternoon after, after I preach. And I can almost always count on Vicky to say something like, oh, that was really great. That was a home run, you know? Really got me thinking. You look like Leonardo DiCaprio up there. I may have added that last part, but you get the idea. And I live for it. I live for it because if she thinks I did good, if she thinks I'm valuable, if she thinks I brought a contribution, it doesn't even matter what all y'all think. You can say whatever you want. You know, my wife thought it was a home run. So I'm just being honest here, ladies. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a bullet here for dudes and telling you this because they don't want to say it, but ladies, try not to tell him what he's not because that is so defeating for a man. When you say, you're not this, and why can't you be more like that? And you don't measure up in that way. It's just about as 
deflating a thing as can be, you'll see the life drain out of them. Now, I, I know us guys have <laughs> a lot of growing up to do. Um, so even if he's not quite there, when you've built him up, he'll grow into the man that you hope that he'll become, especially spiritually. And if I can just be honest, from a, from a pastor's perspective, um, one of the most common female complaints I hear is, you know, well, my husband, he's just not a spiritual leader. Well, when you say that, um, there's nothing in him that wants to lead spiritually because he recognizes you don't respect him in that area. If you could take whatever he does, that's even remotely spiritual and affirm it, like, like he may never have prayed out loud before, but it's Thanksgiving and he's like, you know, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And afterwards you go up to him and say, Hey, when you prayed like that was wow. <laughs> and he's like, huh? Well, next time he'll pray longer and louder, you know, build him up with words of affirmation because the way you see him really helps determine who he becomes. When there's a confident man, almost every time there's someone who believes in him. Any man who battles with insecurities, and sometimes it comes out as false pride. Look how great I am, right? Because maybe he's not getting affirmation. Pursue him with words of affirmation. You know, a couple thoughts, and maybe um, this is grossly oversimplified, but here's a general principle. Men, she wants to know, do you love me today? And ladies, he typically wants to know, do you believe in me today? So anytime you think something good, say it, say it. And, and my second thought is this, when you think something special, do it. Every time, anytime you think of something special, just do it. James 4, 17, if we can sort of loosely apply this to marriage, it would be quite convicting. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, what is it? It's sin for them. It's sin. Anytime that you know something good that you should do to be a blessing, do it. You know, come home early from work, bring some takeout, say, hey, why don't we, why don't we go to the park? It's a beautiful day. Guys, from what I understand and from what I remember is if you've got little babies at home, one of the most romantic things you can do is give those dirty little monsters a bath, wash them up, load the dishes, um, help them get to bed. That's actually a very romantic thing. You know, send flowers if you can afford them, but a few changed diapers and a clean kitchen, that's pretty sexy. You know, watch, watch a chick flick instead of yet another Fast and Furious movie or vice versa, whatever it is. Join them in their interests. If you think something special, do it. Whenever you think something amazing, say it. And, and number three, this is important. When you want something different, be it. When you want something different, 
be it. Let me just kind of meddle a little bit because there's a lot of you right now who are going like, you know, doing the elbow. Are you listening? You need to listen to what Pastor Jonathan is saying. You know, if you would just be that person he's describing, then maybe I'll be that person, you know. And so often we point the finger at the other person. Listen, do not gripe about what your spouse is not. You become who God wants you to become. Let me say it again. Don't gripe about what your spouse is not. You become who God wants you to become. You want something different? Be it. Want something different? You be it. And if it's not going to be nagging or yelling or lecturing or retaliation or sulking or sermonizing or guilt trips or threats that will change your spouse's behavior, it'll be your example. It'll be you starting to become something different yourself. We don't criticize our way into a better marriage. We can't change anybody else. We're responsible for ourselves. The moment you start trying to apply this message to your spouse, you know, you miss the entire point of it. You want something different, you become something different, okay? Now, one of the ways I think that we can pursue each other is to honestly ask this question, hey, how can I be a better husband to you? How can I be a better wife to you? How can I love you better? And honestly, we're not going to always want to hear the answers we receive because it means that we've got stuff to work on. And yet, those are really the things that we, we need to hear and that we need to apply because once we apply them, we're going to see great improvement in our marriages. So again, um, forgive me if this sounds trite, or an oversimplification. But if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. Instead of complaining about what you're not getting, ask yourself what you can give to the marriage to always pursue the two. There was a time when you did it, right? You were in love, you did stupid romantic things. Why? Because you were crazy about this person. And years later, you wonder why you're not. Somewhere along the way, you stopped pursuing. If it was ever special, it can be special again. If God is your one, your spouse is your two, and you remember to always pursue the two. When Jesus was talking to the church in Ephesus who fell away, he said it very simply, different context, I understand, but apply this loosely to your marriage from Revelation chapter two, verse five. He says, remember the height from which you were fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. You know how to pursue, fall in love all over again. So I want to turn it over to a female perspective. Every week we've promised to sort of balance the teaching with a female perspective or if a female teaches, uh, give a little airtime to the male perspective. And uh, most of you know our friend Heather Patterson, part of our prayer team, part of our care team, just a wise lady. 
She was widowed about four or five years ago, loved her husband Jim very much, and learned some things, and um, has a lot of wisdom to share. It's interesting that she didn't know what I was going to talk about this week, and so when I asked her to share, um, I had already prepared this teaching, and it was just simpatico. It was just she uh, she sort of affirms, reaffirms some of the things uh, shared in this. So take it away, Heather. Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Patterson. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to share something with you today about something that I learned in my marriage to Jim. Um, most of you probably know that I have been widowed now for almost four years. And um, as I listened to the message on Sunday from Jonathan and Vicki, it really touched my heart just to, um, to share this and to pray for all of you in the situation that you're in right now if you are married and um, struggling a bit with being together 24-7. Back when... Jim and I were in our 20s. We went through a difficult time and almost didn't continue in our marriage to one another, but praise God, he helped us and we got back on our feet and, um, and yeah, had a pretty good, pretty good marriage. And then at one point when I was teaching, I started to walk with another teacher who was struggling in her marriage with her husband and she was complaining a lot uh, about him and pointing out his um, negative characteristics and um, and I guess I sympathized and then I even got to the point where I started to share things in my marriage with Jim that were maybe there were things about Jim that I wanted I wanted to um, change uh, things that I wasn't as happy with and so I started to complain to to my friend and um, you know after after this had been going on for a while, I noticed that my relationship with Jim started to change. And I wasn't as loving in my thoughts um, towards him, and I was more critical when we were talking, and um, things weren't as nearly as, as good as they used to be. But then at this time, I was going... I was getting some teaching on the power of your words and the fact that your words can either bring death or life. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So that means um, that the consequences of the words that you speak will will come about depending on what you say. And because I was speaking so negatively about Jim, 
it caused my feelings and my thoughts towards him to be uh, really to bring death into our marriage rather than life. And that scared me. When I saw that happening and I recognized that my that my thoughts weren't good, that I was listening to the enemy and he was just pointing out Jim's um, weaknesses. And let's face it, none of us are perfect and we've all got weaknesses, we've all got strengths. But I was focusing on Jim's weaknesses and um, it definitely, I was definitely reaping the consequences. So consequently, I decided to change and I deliberately make a made a choice of focusing on Jim's um, positive, positive, his strengths, his positive characteristics and um, and doing things doing things for him, and I asked the Lord for help with with this. And and as I made the change, I noticed after a while that my thoughts and it's almost like I was falling deeper in love with Jim just by doing that. I was yes, I saw his weaknesses just as he would have seen mine over and over and over. But, um, but I was able to focus more on his strengths, and that definitely made a difference in our relationship. And I feel that because many of you are in the position of being in... Um, inside, being 24-7, you're together, and, um, and let's face it, we all get kind of irritated when we're with uh, the same people all the time. And um, so I, I just ask you and encourage you to make the right decisions about the, the voices that you listen to, whether it's, is it the Word of God and what, what the Lord says, or is it, is it the enemy? And um, I know the enemy just loves to lie to us and point out the, all the, the negative. So um, I would just en encourage you to not make the same mistake that I did, but to um, think positively, uh, focus deliberately on the um, good strengths in your spouse and um, keep looking up. Keep looking up. Keep depending on God to to help you through this, and it will make a difference. Jim and I fell more and more and more in love with each other, and we ended up with a wonderful marriage that um, that helped us through the difficult times. So, I will be praying for you, and I just wanted to share that with you. So, God bless you all, and um, hope to see you soon. Amen. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you so much that you're a God that pursues us, that through your son Jesus, you have pursued us with your love. And God, um, that's a reflection of the love that you have for our church. I pray we would pursue one another. We pursue you, Lord, first, because you're our king, you're our God. But help us also to pursue our spouses, those who are not yet married and hope to 
one day be married, it's my prayer that um, you would truly put God first, that you would recognize that you are worthy of pursuit. And as you pursue your Heavenly Father, one day you'll look up, maybe to the right or to the left, and there will be someone else there pursuing God just as passionately as you are. And you might end up pursuing him together. Those of you who are married today, I pray that God would make your marriage even more intimate than it's ever been before. If at one point you had it and now you realize you lost it, you know how to get it back again. You do what you once did. God, I pray for healing in marriages that are hurting. I pray for restoration where there is brokenness. God, I pray for forgiveness and repentance wherever there has been sin and betrayal. And God, just as at one time we pursued one another, give us a heart to do what we did at first. God, I I pray that you would restore what's been lost and you would restore it seven times over that we would be blessed with even more intimacy than we've ever had before. Amen. Here's what I would hope you understand. is that God is a God who pursues you. So much so that when we were separated from God by our sin, God became one of us in the person of Jesus. Jesus even told a story about a good shepherd. He's got a hundred sheep and one of those sheep wanders off and what that good shepherd does is he pursues the one. Um, There are those of you today, you need to recognize you are the one that God is pursuing. He wants to be first in your life. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. Jesus, the son of God, who is perfect in every way, never ever sinned and yet who still died for you he rose again why so that anyone who calls on the name of the lord would be forgiven and made completely new oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god that actually chases us pursues us draws us by his spirit it's humbling And his love sets the example for us as believers and as spouses.